Chapter six of Religio Medici and Hydriotaphia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Religio Medici by Thomas Brown. Part one. Sections fifty through sixty. Section fifty. I cannot tell how to say that fire is the essence of hell. I know not what to make of purgatory, or conceive a flame that can either prey upon or purify the substance of a soul. Those flames of sulphur mentioned in the scriptures I take not to be understood of this present hell, but of that to come, where fire shall make up the complement of our torches, and have a body or subject whereon to manifest its tyranny. Some who have had the honour to be textuary in divinity, out of opinion it shall be the same specifical fire with ours. This is hard to conceive, yet can I make good how even that may prey upon our bodies, and yet not consume us. For in this material world there are bodies that persist invincible in the powerfulest flames, and though by the action of fire they fall into ignition and liquation, yet will they never suffer a destruction. I would gladly know how Moses, with an actual fire, calcined or burnt the golden calf into powder, for that mystical metal of gold, whose solary and celestial nature I admire, exposed unto the violence of fire, grows only hot and liquefies, but consumeth not. So when the consumable and volatile pieces of our bodies shall be refined into a more impregnable and fixed temper, like gold, though they suffer from the action of flames, they shall never perish, but lie immortal in the arms of fire. And surely, if this flame must suffer only by the action of this element, there will many bodies escape, and not only heaven, but earth will not be at an end, but rather a beginning. For at present it is not earth, but a composition of fire, water, earth, and air, but at that time, spoiled of these ingredients, it shall appear in a substance more like itself, its ashes. Philosophers that opinioned the world's destruction by fire did never dream of annihilation, which is beyond the power of sublunary causes. For the last and proper action of that element is but vitrification, or a reduction of a body into glass, and therefore some of our chimics facetiously affirm that at the last fire all shall be crystallized and reverberated into glass, which is the utmost action of that element. Nor need we fear this term annihilation, or wonder that God will destroy the works of his creation, for man subsisting, who is, and will then truly appear, a microcosm, the world cannot be said to be destroyed, for the eyes of God, and perhaps also of our glorified selves, shall as really behold and contemplate the world in its epitome or contracted essence, as now it doth at large and in its dilated substance. In the seed of a plant to the eyes of God, and to the understanding of man there exists, though in an invisible way, the perfect leaves, flowers, and fruit thereof. For things that are in posse to the sense are actually existent to the understanding. Thus God beholds all things, who contemplates as fully his works in their epitome as in their full volume, and beheld as amply the whole world in that little compendium of the sixth day as in the scattered and dilated pieces of those five before. Section 51 Men commonly set forth the torments of hell by fire, and the extremity of corporal afflictions, 
and describe hell in the same method that Mahomet doth heaven. This indeed makes a noise, and drums in popular ears, but if this be the terrible piece thereof, it is not worthy to stand in diameter with heaven, whose happiness consists in that part that is best able to comprehend it, that immortal essence, that translated divinity and colony of God, the soul. Surely, though we place hell under earth, the devil's walk and purlieu is about it. Men speak too popularly who place it in those flaming mountains, which to grosser apprehensions represent hell. The heart of man is the place the devils dwell in. I feel sometimes a hell within myself. Lucifer keeps his court in my breast. Legion is revived in me. There are as many hells as Anaxagoras conceited worlds. There was more than one hell in Magdalen, when there were seven devils, for every devil is an hell unto himself. He holds enough of torture in his own ubi, and needs not the misery of circumference to afflict him. And thus a distracted conscience here is a shadow or introduction unto hell hereafter. Who can but pity the merciful intention of those hands that do destroy themselves? The devil, were it in his power, would do the like, which being impossible, his miseries are endless, and he suffers most in that attribute wherein he is impassable, his immortality. Section 52 I thank God, and with joy I mention it. I was never afraid of hell, nor ever grew pale at the description of that place. I have so fixed my contemplations on heaven, that I have almost forgot the idea of hell, and am afraid rather to lose the joys of the one than endure the misery of the other. To be deprived of them is a perfect hell, and needs methinks no addition to complete our afflictions. That terrible term hath never detained me from sin, nor do I owe any good action to the name thereof. I fear God, yet am not afraid of him. His mercies make me ashamed of my sins, before his judgments afraid thereof. These are the forced and secondary method of his wisdom, which he useth but as the last remedy, and upon provocation, a course rather to deter the wicked than incite the virtuous to his worship. I can hardly think there was ever any scared into heaven. They go the fairest way to heaven that would serve God without a hell. Other mercenaries that crouch unto him in fear of hell, though they term themselves the servants, are indeed but the slaves of the Almighty. Section 53 And to be true and speak my soul, when I survey the occurrences of my life, and call into account the finger of God, I can perceive nothing but an abyss and mass of mercies, either in general to mankind, or in particular to myself, and whether out of the prejudice of my affection, or an inverting and partial conceit of his mercies, I know not. But those which others term crosses, afflictions, judgments, misfortunes, to me who inquire further into them than their visible effects, they both appear, and in event have ever proved, the secret and dissembled favours of his affection. It is a singular piece of wisdom to apprehend truly and without passion the works of God, and so well to distinguish his justice from his mercy, as not to miscall those noble attributes. Yet it is likewise an honest piece of logic, so to dispute and argue the proceedings of God, as to distinguish even his judgments into mercies. 
for god is merciful unto all because better to the worst than the best deserve and to say he punisheth none in this world though it be a paradox is no absurdity to one that hath committed murder if the judge should only ordain a fine it were madness to call this a punishment and to repine at the sentence rather than admire the clemency of the judge thus our offences being mortal and deserving not only death but damnation if the goodness of god be content to traverse and pass them over with a loss misfortune or disease what frenzy were it to turn this a punishment rather than an extremity of mercy and to groan under the rod of his judgments rather than admire the sceptre of his mercies therefore to adore honour and admire him is a debt of gratitude due from the obligation of our nature states and conditions and with these thoughts he that knows them best will not deny that i adore him that i obtain heaven and the bliss thereof is accidental and not the intended work of my devotion it being a felicity i can neither think to deserve nor scarce in modesty to expect for these two ends of us all either as rewards or punishments are mercifully ordained and disproportionably disposed unto our actions the one being so far beyond our deserts the other so infinitely below our demerits section fifty four there is no salvation to those that believe not in christ that is say some since his nativity and as divinity affirmeth before also which makes me much apprehend the end of those honest worthies and philosophers which died before his incarnation it is hard to place those souls in hell whose worthy lives do teach us virtue on earth methinks among those many subdivisions of hell there might have been one limbo left for these what a strange vision will it be to see their poetical fictions converted into verities and their imagined and fancied furies into real devils how strange to them will sound the history of adam when they shall suffer for him they never heard of when they who derive their genealogy from the gods shall know they are the unhappy issue of sinful man it is an insolent part of reason to controvert the works of god or question the justice of his proceedings could humility teach others as it hath instructed me to contemplate the infinite and incomprehensible distance betwixt the creator and the creature or did we seriously perpend that one simile of st paul shall the vessel say to the potter why hast thou made me thus it would prevent these arrogant disputes of reason nor would we argue the definitive sentence of god either to heaven or hell men that live according to the right rule and law of reason live but in their own kind as beasts do in theirs who justly obey the prescript of their natures and therefore cannot reasonably demand a reward of their actions as only obeying the natural dictates of their reason it will therefore and must at last appear that all salvation is through christ which verity i fear these great examples of virtue must confirm and make it good how the perfectest actions of earth have no title or claim unto heaven section fifty five nor truly do i think the lives of these or of any other were ever correspondence or in all points conformable unto their doctrines it is evident that aristotle transgressed the rule of his own ethics the stoics that condemn passion and commanded man to laugh in phalaris's bull could not endure without a groan a fit of the stone or colic the sceptics that affirm they knew nothing even in that opinion confute themselves 
and thought they knew more than all the world beside. Diogenes I hold to be the most vain-glorious man of his time, and more ambitious in refusing all honours than Alexander in rejecting none. Vice and the devil put a fallacy upon our reasons, and, provoking us too hastily to run from it, entangle and profound us deeper in it. The Duke of Venice that weds himself unto the sea by a ring of gold, I will not accuse of prodigality, because it is a solemnity of good use and consequence in the state. But the philosopher that threw his money into the sea to avoid avarice was a notorious prodigal. There is no road or ready way to virtue. It is not an easy point of art to disentangle ourselves from this riddle or web of sin. To perfect virtue as to religion, there is required a panoplia or complete armour, that whilst we lie at close ward against one vice, we lie not open to the venery of another. And indeed wiser discretions that have the thread of reason to conduct them, offend without a pardon, whereas underheads may stumble without dishonour. There go so many circumstances to piece up one good action, that it is a lesson to be good, and we are forced to be virtuous by the book. Again, the practice of men holds not an equal pace, yea, and often runs counter to their theory. We naturally know what is good, but naturally pursue what is evil. The rhetoric wherewith I persuade another cannot persuade myself. There is a depraved appetite in us, that will with patience hear the learned instructions of reason, but yet perform no further than agrees to its own irregular humour. In brief, we all are monsters, that is, a composition of man and beast, wherein we must endeavour to be as the poets fancy that wise man, Chiron, that is, to have the region of man above that of beast, and sense to sit but at the feet of reason. Lastly, I do desire with God that all, but yet affirm with men that few, shall know salvation, that the bridge is narrow, the passage straight unto life, that those who do confine the church of God either to particular nations, churches, or families, have made it far narrower than our Saviour ever meant it. Section 56 The vulgarity of those judgments that wrap the church of God in Strabo's cloak, and restrain it unto Europe, seem to me as bad geographers as Alexander, who thought he had conquered all the world, when he had not subdued the half of any part thereof. For we cannot deny the church of God both in Asia and Africa, if we do not forget the peregrinations of the apostles, the deaths of the martyrs, the sessions of many, and, even in our reform judgment, lawful counsels, held in those parts in the minority and knowledge of ours. Nor must a few differences, more remarkable in the eyes of man than, perhaps, in the judgment of God, excommunicate from heaven one another, much less those Christians who are in a manner all martyrs, maintaining their faith in the noble way of persecution, and serving God in the fire, whereas we honour him in the sunshine. Tis true we all hold there is a number of elect and many to be saved. Yet take our opinions together, and from the confusion thereof, will be no such thing as salvation, nor shall any one be saved. For first the Church of Rome condemneth us, we likewise them, the sub-reformists and sectaries sentence the doctrine of our Church as damnable, the atomist or familist reprobates all these, and all these them again. Thus whilst the mercies of God do promise us heaven, our conceits and opinions exclude us from that place. There must be therefore more than one St. Peter. Particular churches and sects usurp the gates of heaven, and turn the key against each other, 
and thus we go to heaven against each other's wills, conceits, and opinions, and with as much uncharity as ignorance do err, I fear, in points not only of our own, but one another's salvation. Section 57 I believe many are saved who to man seem reprobated, and many are reprobated who in the opinion and sentence of man stand elected. There will appear at the last day strange and unexpected examples, both of his justice and his mercy, and therefore to define either is folly in man, and insolency even in the devils. These acute and subtle spirits, in all their sagacity, can hardly divine who shall be saved, which if they could prognostic, their labour were at an end, nor need they compass the earth, seeking whom they may devour. Those who, upon a rigid application of the law, sentence Solomon unto damnation, condemn not only him, but themselves, and the whole world. For by the letter and written word of God, we are without exception in the state of death. But there is a prerogative of God, and an arbitrary pleasure above the letter of his own law, by which alone we can pretend unto salvation, and through which Solomon might be as easily saved as those who condemn him. Section 58 The number of those who pretend unto salvation, and those infinite swarms who think to pass through the eye of this needle, have much amazed me. That name and compilation of little flock doth not comfort, but deject my devotion, especially when I reflect upon mine own unworthiness, wherein, according to my humble apprehensions, I am below them all. I believe there shall never be an anarchy in heaven, but as there are hierarchies amongst the angels, so shall there be degrees of priority amongst the saints. Yet is it, I protest, beyond my ambition, to aspire unto the first ranks. My desires only are, and I shall be happy therein, to be but the last man, and bring up the rear in heaven. Section 59 Again I am confident, and fully persuaded, yet dare not take my oath, of my salvation. I am, as it were, sure, and do believe without all doubt, that there is such a city as Constantinople, yet for me to take my oath thereon were a kind of perjury, because I hold no infallible warrant from my own sense to confirm me in the certainty thereof. And truly, though many pretend to an absolute certainty of their salvation, yet when an humble soul shall contemplate our own unworthiness, she shall meet with many doubts, and suddenly find how little we stand in need of the precept of St. Paul, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That which is the cause of my election I hold to be the cause of my salvation, which was the mercy and beneplacit of God, before I was, or the foundation of the world. Before Abraham was, I am, is the saying of Christ. Yet is it true in some sense if I say it of myself? For I was not only before myself, but Adam, that is, in the idea of God, and the decree of that synod held from all eternity. And in this sense, I say, the world was before the creation, and at an end before it had a beginning, and thus was I dead before I was alive, though my grave be England, my dying place was paradise, and Eve miscarried of me before she conceived of Cain. Section 60 Insolent zeals, that do decry good works and rely only upon faith, take not away merit. For, depending upon the efficacy of their faith, they enforce the condition of God, and in a more sophistical way do seem to challenge heaven. It was decreed by God that only those that lapped in the water like dogs should have the honour to destroy the Midianites, 
yet could none of those justly challenge or imagine he deserved that honour thereupon i do not deny but that true faith and such as god requires is not only a mark or token but also a means of our salvation but where to find this is as obscure to me as my last end and if our saviour could object unto his own disciples and favourites a faith that to the quantity of a grain of mustard seed is able to remove mountains surely that which we boast of is not anything or at the most but a remove from nothing this is the tenor of my belief wherein though there be many things singular and to the humour of my regular self yet if they square not with maturer judgments i disclaim them and do no further favour them than the learned and best judgments shall authorise them End of chapter 6